Bruce Lee built his legend around his expertise in martial arts and his massive success in motion pictures. However, few see him as a mindset or business thought leader. Turns out, there's a lot we can learn from Bruce Lee. Longtime business journalist Thomas Lee's new book, The Bruce Lee Code, unpacks the mindset and even business strategies in Mr. Lee's life and teachings that helped unlock his full potential. Thomas points out that Bruce Lee was a brand well before developing a personal brand was commonplace. He shows us that Mr. Lee was more than a martial artist or a Hollywood star. He was a pioneer, a visionary, and a thought leader. Welcome to Launch to Legendary, where we sit down with people who have turned the ordinary into the extraordinary, who have taken challenges and turned them into opportunities, and who've created success on their own terms. Today, Thomas Lee joins us on Launch to Legendary to take us into the dragon's mind as he shares his thoughts on the core philosophies of Bruce Lee that anyone could utilize in business or even in personal life. The key tactic that Bruce Lee and Steve Jobs had in common how to maintain your vision while being adaptable to some of the circumstances in your environment, and why we need to be aware of patterns and use them strategically. So let's sit down with Thomas and unpack the genius of Bruce Lee. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us here on Launch to Legendary. I think both yourself and certainly Bruce Lee, who you've just written a book about, are both legendary in their own ways. So I'm really excited to discuss your new book with you. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, you know, there's been a lot written about Bruce Lee. He certainly was not only legendary, but a very interesting individual, more than, as you point out quite rightly in your book, more than just a martial arts artist and an actor. Perhaps you can talk about what you see in Bruce Lee, the man that compelled you to write this book. Sure. Well, I think that, uh, I think he had an overall plan, like an overall goal. So being a martial artist or being an actor were it was simply a means to an end. And that's what wanted to do was to show that the 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 totality of the entire man in the book. And so his goal, I believe, was to kind of combine the East and West, right? Because he was a child of, of both, right? And to kind of try to show what he loved about Chinese culture to the rest of the world. So overall, I think that was his goal and that he found that using martial arts, which of course he had a wonderful talent for and being in movies was the most kind of efficient way of conveying those things to reach that ultimate goal. And so the whole book was about how we could look at a person that we feel like that we knew even tangentially and kind of reframe it. And I want to reframe it for a business audience because I thought that what I just said that in all companies have things like, you know, visions, strategies, and tactics. So when I say means to an end, that's what I'm trying to frame it as. What was Bruce Lee's vision? What was his strategy? And what was his tactics to get there? So, Right, right. I think that's interesting. And I think you're right. There is an interesting connection between his philosophy and perhaps it, where business maybe should be going, right? If we're looking at sort of the next phase for business thought leadership, what did you find most interesting? I mean, if you were to share what you felt were your most important teachings from Bruce Lee, from the point of view of more business philosophy, as you're saying, what would those be? I would say, well, one of them was, and I kind of break it down in the book, was the, the idea of innovation 
And I think it's about framing it in a way that people can understand, right? But I kind of really compared him to a, a Steve Jobs. And I know that a lot of people compare Steve Jobs to <laughs> a lot of things, right? So, but right. I, as a business journalist, I don't take that lightly, you know? Right. So in this particular case, I really feel like there's a really strong connection. And that's what I was kind of really intrigued about was the idea that, first of all, innovation doesn't mean you have to rewrite the book you know, per se. Most innovation is incremental or right. it's derivative. And there's really nothing wrong with that, you know? And that's what they did. Neither Bruce Lee or Steve Jobs really created anything per se that was completely brand new. And what they did was they took things that exist out there and kind of experimented, kind of combined them, put them together, put them back off each other and found what worked for them and the result was something that was innovated that there was greater than the sum of its parts right and and take steve jobs for instance he didn't invent you know mp3 players he didn't invent um you know pcs or anything like that but you see what he did with it right he kind of put it all together in a sort of ecosystem same thing with bruce lee he took what the kind of kinetic exciting action films of Hong Kong combined it with the kind of story-driven, character-driven approach of Hollywood. And the result was something that elevated the whole kind of genre of martial arts cinema, you know. And the second thing is that they both believed in simplicity. And simplicity, people believe, I think this is actually really important in business because people think if you have a lot of stuff, that means it shows how smart you are, you know, even language. You talk a lot, you use fancy words, a lot, throw a lot of technology at you. They think more is more, but, but less is more, you know. So simplicity is actually quite sophisticated and it is the result of really great innovation and the idea of really thoughtful thinking, you know, that kind of breaks something down to its essential core and be the most useful and clear to, to the person who's using it. So. I think that's such a good point because you're absolutely right. I think people get caught up in making things overly complex because as you're pointing out, they feel that that shows that it's better or more sophisticated when, as you're saying, it's actually much more difficult and takes much more genius to be able to really reduce something down to its most elegant solution. I think it's interesting that you point that out and make that connection between Steve Jobs and Bruce Lee, because I don't think a lot of people listening to this would have would have seen it that way. In fact, what you just said was even better than how I said it. So, we, so you broke it down even more into it, <laughs> what I was saying into it simplest form. That is a great way of saying it. As a writer, see, I'm not a tech guy. I'm a writer, right? I sometimes people say, "Oh, well, you know, it read really clean. Mm. You know, it read really." Past, you know what I mean? But it takes a lot of work and thought, you know, thought and talent to kind of get it down to a level where it's seemingly simple or is seemingly like really clear, right? But it, it takes a lot to get there. So far be it for me to compare myself to Bruce Lee or Steve Jobs, but I thought that at least in what I do for a living, that's probably what, you know, you would see from, from a writer in terms of this type of what we're talking about here. So. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the difficulty really is in being able to edit something down without losing all the meaning or all the facts, but getting rid of every extraneous word is actually difficult, more difficult than people realize who haven't actually done that. So it's a good point that you're making. Now, when you look at, at Bruce Lee, I think one of the things you did highlight was 
that he he had advised people. I don't know if advised is really the right choice of words, but he, he had suggested people be like water. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, it's, pro it's probably his most famous phrase. And the idea of being water is, if you think what water is, your water is formless, it's shapeless, right? It moves throughout space really easy. And then, but then when it comes into contact with something, it takes the shape of whatever it takes the contact with, and it's fluid and it's clear. And those are just a whole bunch of metaphors, <laughs> very good metaphors for how he believed you should believe you should live your life, which is basically being adaptable, being malleable to changing circumstances. So life, life is chaotic. Life is forever changing. And as a person and as a business person, you got to be able to adapt to it, right? So he really was effective at using the idea of water to show that that's how you should move through space, how you should move through life. That's how what you should do when you come into contact with it. You know, things don't adjust to you, you adjust to things. Right. So, yeah, I think that's very true. I think that a lot of people probably could benefit from the advice of being flexible, being adaptable in that way. And yet, how do you balance that with strength and power? Because certainly as a martial artist, he was exemplary of someone who was very strong and powerful. Water is powerful in itself. You know, if you ever find yourself in the middle of a flood, <laughs> you, know, you will <laughs> see true. that that quite powerful itself. So I don't really see any sort of contradiction between the being like the strength and power and being adaptable and malleable, you know, and then we really want to get deep here, right? I think that there's a lesson here in business because some people think that I got to stick to my guns if I, I believe in something and that's what it is, right? So how do you do that? How do you maintain your vision and your key core things, but still show that you're able to adapt to it. So what's the difference between having a vision and just being plain stubborn to the right. detriment of everything? So I think that's where water is a fantastic metaphor because water is both. Water is both powerful. In fact, water is always there. We're 70% of the planet is water. The majority of our bodies are water but yet it's completely malleable and it's completely adaptable. Yeah, I think that's really an interesting insight. And you don't really think of it that way intuitively, but as you pointed out, you start to think, yeah, actually, he's got a good point there. You can sort of see where you would gain strength from being flexible like that. And things won't break you, right? They may bend you, but they won't break you. And you're able to you sort of come back. You can't destroy water. Right. Water takes may take different forms. You might be it might evaporate, but it's never destroyed. You know, right. it's always there. You can't like shoot water. You can't beat water physically. You can't kick water. It's always there. So. Yeah, very interesting. Really, I'm very very insightful. Now, in terms of Bruce Lee's philosophy, are there any takeaways that you would see with regard to leadership? Because there's an awful lot of conversation nowadays around leadership, particularly within organizations? I would say that he, and uh, you know, a lot of this is also interpretation too on my part, but I would say that his ideas about patterns, he was not a big believer in following a pattern. He says, beware of patterns, you know? And that just is sort of uh, another way to say a groupthink or kind of following the usual things just because you, just you do it this way, you always have to do it, 
right? And what I liked about it that he kind of used the kind of the martial arts as a metaphor, right? So as he was actually it wasn't really a metaphor, it was an actual tactic. He faced somebody and that's what he's looking for, right? He's looking for patterns and how they move and because they because humans tend to fall into that. And why do we fall into that? Because it makes us feel safer, you know, like the to do something predictable is a lot easier to, to dive into the unknown, right? So as soon as he spots a pattern, right, he goes after it, right? He exploits it as a weakness. He also believed that patterns led just to humans, again, my words, not his, to their worst impulses, which is racism, sexism. And when you think about it, it makes sense because it's like, why Why do we do it? Because we've always done it this way. So he really had patterns was really the kind of enemy of human progress, you know, and I would also say that he, and this, I think this is actually really very valuable for a business audience, the idea of of intellectual curiosity, that comes from his aversion to patterns, right? It's like if you open yourself up to a whole bunch of new ideas, but also diversity. You know, people tend to think diversity is some sort of woke sort of thing, but there is a huge benefit to it, right? So he, his life, he opened himself up and he was always talking to people, was always asking for ideas, is always trying to like collaborate and try to learn. He read a lot of books, right? And this is enormous type of intellectual curiosity. And when you combine it with his ability to kind of reach out to different socioeconomic groups and ideas and he took what was useful to him and he was able to keep creating being, being innovative you know so that's what i would say his the kind of two key parts of philosophy beware of patterns and also just embrace the sort of richness of a very diverse sort of society and world so i think that's an interesting way to look at it and it's a viewpoint that's relevant today because we are facing a lot of challenges and at the same time we need to be level-headed about it and i think that the insights that bruce lee brings give us that perspective to be able to move forward but not to completely lose the practical side of things yeah and also i mean kind of bring up a hot issue like you know in society and business the idea of being woke or the mm. idea of g right it's None of this is particularly new. It's just the, right. that the language has been weaponized, right? But if you're going to go out and say, what did Bruce Lee think about it? And, you know, I was careful to say, what would Bruce Lee think about it? Because, frankly, I'm not Bruce. I've never met him. He died before I was born, right? But, frankly, I mean, that's what I just said. It, it, was, it was about the idea of breaking patterns and embracing a, a really – a diverse source of ideas and connections and relationships, you know, I think he would have been quite open to all of that. And I think, frankly, it made him a better person for it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It, in his case, it came from the heart. Like you say, it wasn't a matter of being part of a woke movement. It was just simply the way he saw the world. Yeah, I think he might, I, frankly, I think he might be puzzled by how things are looking today in terms of, again, the, none of this is new. Again, this is the language that's different, right? And maybe perhaps the context, right? But yes. you, I think he would have been somewhat perplexed by it. But you know what? He, no matter what has happened, he always stuck to what he believed in. And I don't know, seemed to work out well for him. Right, right, exactly. Now, out of all the different people you could have written a book about, what made you choose Bruce Lee in particular? I mean, certainly he was a visionary. He had an awful lot to share, multi-talented gentleman. But out of everybody, what made you choose him? 
Well, I mean, the story goes back all the way to the pandemic. It was 2020, and I was catching up with a friend, and I said, what are you working on? And she said she was working on a exhibit about Bruce Lee for San Francisco Chinatown. They was born in San Francisco in November 1940, but people don't really realize that, especially in the San Francisco. There was nothing really to mark his presence there. So, so I volunteered to help, and before you know it, I somehow became editorial director and lead curator. It was working on the exhibit that gave me the idea for the book, because instead of doing a chronological approach to his life, he was born in 1940, did this in 1967, all that, right? You know, that's always been done, right? We decided to present this life in terms of four personas, visionary, athlete, unifier, and thinker. And it was with the visionary part, which covered his career, that gave me the idea for the book because I was like, you know what? He's actually quite entrepreneurial. You know, he actually kind of reminds me of Steve Jobs, right? I mean, he started his own production company called Conqueror Production. But that's when he went to, he mostly, he, he had this point career in Hollywood at first, went back to Hong Kong, decided that I want to make movies that will be so successful that Hollywood can't ignore me. But to do that, I need to form my own company so I have artistic financial control over that. And this is our early 70s, whereas today we take for granted Hollywood A-listers having their own production companies. He started his own martial arts schools. He developed his own martial arts philosophy called Jeet Kune Do. He was very invested in himself as a brand. I mean, his, two of his famous movies, Way of the Dragon, Enter the Dragon. The dragon refers to him. That was his uh, nickname, right? And it had nothing to do with the plot or a character in a movie. Like Enter the Dragon was him saying that this is my coming out party to Hollywood. I'm the dragon in this entering. So just very conscious about brand. And so I really felt like, man, if there's a way I could take his life, which has been picked over so many different times and kind of reframe it for a new audience that might make a good book. So I think it's interesting. And I think that you're right. A lot of people know Bruce Lee, but a lot of people don't know about Bruce Lee, don't know Bruce Lee, the man, right? We just know the external martial arts Hollywood actor guy, but we don't really know him as a person. What is that? There is so much more to unpack around him. I mean, I didn't know about, you know, the title Enter the Dragon and so forth referred to him, right? Like everybody else, I thought, oh, that's just a clever name for a movie. I think that it was also kind of a, uh, it, it's the thing, what you just said, that trying to fill in the blanks with Bruce Lee, right? You say most people know him as a martial artist and as a movie star, right? So you go up to ask anybody, you know, they're like, oh, I'm a big fan of Bruce Lee. I'm like, oh, really? What what, what do you like about him? And they'll say, oh, well, he kicked ass. Right. You know? Or he's awesome. And it's like, and maybe it's the writer in me that irritates me a bit because it's like, where's the me? Where's the depth? You know, right. you gotta tell me more. Like, he was more than just a kicking butt, right? So that's what the book is also about. It's trying to fill in those kind of blanks to kind of give language to people's feelings about why they love Bruce Lee. So people ask me, so why is Bruce Lee so appealing, charismatic, and popular after 50 years after he died? And the best thing I can say is that he had that, I guess these are all cliches, but I'll try to use them. He had that thing, that X factor, you know, the, he had that, um, the brother got game, you know, the right. <laughs> idea that he wasn't about talk. It was, he had talk, but he had do, you know, right. his, his, the X factor is a way of saying that there are some people in this world, right, who are able to 
will things into existence, right? They say they have, this is what I want to do, and they go out and they do it. And that requires just a whole amount of energy, charisma, resilience, innovation, everything that we just talked about this podcast to make it happen. He's able to make reality out of things that he that he envisions, right? And so I think that's what kind of draws us to him. And that, you know, that also includes kicking ass. You know? So <laughs> just a little bit deeper than, than that phrase. So, Yes, I think that's a really good point because there's so many people who talk about things these days. And yet when it comes down to it, there's very few people who actually live them. And almost the more they talk about it, the less they're living it because you can't really be doing both at the same time. Whereas it seems that, and maybe it was just a different day and age, but it seemed from what you're saying about Bruce Lee that he was really about living his philosophy and then from time to time talking about it. But it was more of a focus of his energy was more on actually being the man rather than simply posing and posturing about all the things that he believed in. Yeah, and I think this is actually important that, to to say, and it is more my belief, really. It's just that it's going to be funny. Uh, I actually, it makes me uncomfortable sometimes how much people idolize Bruce Lee, you know, to oh, okay. the point where, yeah, well, I mean, because I don't think they're getting what, you know, what you just said, what you just said so eloquently, right? It's about, it's also what we just talked about, depth, what do you actually do, what do you actually mean? People like collect action figures and posters <laughs> and, and they yell out JKD and they say right. be water all that stuff. And they say, oh, he was a great philosopher. I tell you the truth, he wasn't a great writer. You know, I was trying <laughs> to understand some of his philosophical writings. And again, English, you know, was, I don't think it was his first language, but it's hard to understand. But my point is, is that like, you when you put them mm. on a pedestal, you can you risk missing what they were all about, right? For better and for worse. It was by no means a perfect person, you know? So it's kind of weird sometimes when I see this just these people just worshiping him as a god, right? And when you're god, you can't do no wrong. And when you're god, it's easy just to say, oh, well, he's able to do everything because he just because he's god, he's powerful, he's able to do this. Like it kind of removes the hard work of trying to really understand, you know, what made him the way he was. So that's what I mean. It, it's and I and and I like what you just said. You're talking about the difference between talk and action. There's a lot of posers out there. You know, and uh, for God's sakes, I live in the Bay Area. You want to talk about posing? <laughs> so, you know, am I, dear Lord? So people like to talk a lot. But do they, but can they Bruce Lee that situation? Right, you know? right, right. That's yeah. a good way. You know what I mean? Bruce Lee has become like a verb. And I, I didn't right. even come up with that. And people that I were talking to would say, I got to Bruce Lee the shit out of that situation, you know? <laughs> and, but I think that, that, yeah, it's about the, the, crossing over the threshold from words to action. I think that's what really is the main appeal about uh, Bruce Lee. So, Yeah, I think it's, I think that really everything you have brought forward is so interesting and there's just so much value to unpack, certainly for people in the business world who are looking for a way forward, who are perhaps trying to rethink what they're doing, but, but even for people who aren't in the business world, just a general philosophy that perhaps can help people get through what, what appears to be somewhat uncertain times. So, you know, being able to look towards someone like Bruce Lee and learn from him is certainly worth the read. Well, I think that that was one of the reasons why we did the museum exhibit, right? And, and also I would like to say too, that again, back to like idolizing him, Bruce Lee, didn't want you to be Bruce Lee. There, there was right. only one Bruce Lee, right? He was trying to put forth 
a framework for you to fill. So whether it's business or whether it's just, you know, your own personal life, that's what he would want you to do. And, and, but on the business side too, this kind of goes to back to kind of filling in the blanks of what, what I also liked about working on the book was that I actually interviewed kind of four different entrepreneurs, right. And, and it kind of put their interviews in their own, in their own words into the book. And I just asked them like about their relationship to Bruce Lee and how they would apply Bruce Lee to, or how they they did apply Bruce Lee to the running their own business. And it was kind of the same thing because I think a lot of them were, they said they were big fans, but when they started asking them like, well, how, like what specifically about it did you, did you do to, that would help you run your business? And I think I really made them think about it. Right. And, and then the more they thought about it, like, hey, you know, yeah, it made sense to them. It was like, they went from watching Bruce Lee on Saturday morning TV as a kid to suddenly thinking, you know what? I think his approach and philosophies could really help my business, whether it's new products or whether it's marketing or dealing with the competition and things like that. So, yeah. So, again, that's another effort on my part to try to put meat on them bones to show like real, really successful business people that benefit from Bruce Lee. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so interesting. Well, I want to thank you so much, Thomas, for joining us here on Launch to Legendary. I'm going to put the links in the show notes and in the comments section for your book. I know it's, of course, available on Amazon and most likely in, in other leading booksellers. It's a must read for anybody who, like I say, whether they're in business or just wants to, to gain some interesting philosophical guidance. I think this would definitely be worth their time. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it.